Clemens K. Takwaye now presents A Crown of Wishes, Part 1, from the Star-Touched Queen series by Roshini Chakshi. Back to MK Talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And this week we started the second book in the Star Touched Queen series. Uh, this book was called A Crown of Wishes. And we read up to chapter 22. 22, which was called No Touching Asha. It's funny, I obviously didn't know. Asha as a character when we decided our halfway point. So now I know that like each of these chapters switches perspective between mostly Gory and Vikram, but we've also seen Asha in the second half. So it has a different meaning now. Like it's like the chapter's called No Touching, but it's from Asha's perspective versus like No Touching Asha is how I was like thinking about I know, it before. Me too. <laughs> Although I guess you don't want to touch her, so <laughs> <laughs> true. That is that is partly true. Um Okay, let's start where we should always start and never do, which is the beginning. (laughs) Well, again, the funny thing is, while this is a series, it's more like, at least so far, a standalone in the same world with some familiar characters than it is a true series where we've like picked up the action where we left off. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, we have a completely different cast of characters now, right? We have Gari and Vikram, who were mentioned in the last book, but did not get a lot of page time. So I'm actually really excited about that because I was kind of done with Maya and Amar's story. Like, we tied up all the loose ends. I was ready to move on. And I was always excited about Gari as a character, and I was curious about Vikram. So I kind of got exactly what I wanted, which is nice. I agree, although I would still be interested to see Maya make an appearance in the second half, because they were so close. So Gari was the half-sister that Maya missed and like wanted to help out and all the stuff from the previous book. And you still see her feeling this loss from Maya being gone, so I'm kind of hoping that while it's not like a true continuation I don't need her to be a major character by any means I hope we see something where Maya like shows up for a scene or something at some point that'd be cool yeah I'd be I'd be all right with that but I agree I and this book is told so differently I mentioned it a minute ago but pretty much I think unless I'm completely spacing the last book was told entirely from Maya's perspective right Mm -hmm. and this one we have these kind of shifting narrators which is kind of fun too I think it adds more dimensions to the story to see both Vikram and Gauri's perspective because I have a feeling this is going to be a romance also to some extent at least and they're going to fall for each other unlike in the other book where there are all these secrets and we're like trying to decipher the communication at least this one I feel like we can sort of learn about each of them without them revealing themselves to each other which is kind of a fun way to to do that totally and I'm also a big fan of enemies to lovers trope yeah I love that trope so I'm excited about like where we started and kind of where we're where we think we might end up I also love like badass women, warrior mm-hmm. girls, like mm-hmm. whatnot. And I really like 
clever people. So like both of them appeal to me as individuals as well. And their tension makes sense so far. So I am hoping for them to eventually like actually fall in love, but it like it's working for me. And I like them both as individuals right now. Me too. Like they're, te- like you said, their tension is great. And the banter between them is mm-hmm. so great. Like I think that really shined throughout this book. Um, Cause Vikram, like I love his self-confidence mm-hmm. and he's kind of a pirate prince esque, right? A yeah, bit. <laughs> he definitely has that like roguish kind of cocky, self-sure thing going on. And it's nice to pair that against Gari, who's like practical to a fault almost, where she's just like, I don't have time for this mm-hmm. nonsense. Like, you're agitating me. You need to get out of here. I'm not here for this. <laughs> and they like balance each other well, I think. And they both have made so many assumptions about each other and been so frustrated by people making assumptions about mm-hmm. them. But it still feels real like it doesn't feel too I don't know I'm just I'm really liking this relationship so far me too I did have some issues with the beginning yeah just because uh right off the bat we meet Vikram who is also known as the fox prince and he like in the very first chapter he gets like a ruby from this man and it's an invitation to something called the tournament of wishes and the winner gets their heart's wish um, we know that he's the prince of Ujijan, but at that at this point, I was a little confused and a little irritated because we have this whole setup where like, oh, there's a tournament of wishes, and the winner gets like their heart's desire, and I had no idea what Vikram wanted. Like it was it That's was fair. very um, like the way it was described, it didn't really get to the heart of what he wanted. And as I kept reading, I pieced together what he wanted and like was able to make better sense of it but right at the beginning I was like does he want his throne does he not want to be a prince does like mm-hmm. what I, I got that he was an orphan and like the council knew that he was an orphan and so I was just like ah I really wish I had had his desire and his motivation like right up front so I could just get into the book and like know what he wanted instead of having to like piece it together yeah because I couldn't tell if he didn't like that he had this responsibility he mm-hmm. wanted to like help his kingdom some other way or if he like wasn't at because he was an orphan maybe he wasn't getting the crown I agree there it was a little bit like at this point in the story I'm like into it and on the same page with both of them but I think it was a little bit frustrating at the beginning and I think part of that frustration also came from my confusion at the second half of the last book and feeling like oh no this is happening again but then it like sort of (laughs) answered my questions as we went on but uh (laughs) and I had the same confusion with Gari because when we first meet her she's in the dungeons about to be executed yeah and we learned that she tried to take the throne from her brother Skandra. And then at that point I was confused too because I know that she went off to rescue her lover who was the general Arjun. But then I was confused about what happened. I was like, how did this coup that she had planned fail? Yep. And I believe that Arjun betrayed her. Like she was roping him into her plan and then at the end he betrayed her to Skanda. But... I, it still that wasn't clear and I was just like oh if you could just make it clear like what happened instead of being so abstract in your writing like it just would have made it so much more enjoyable mm-hmm. to read because I wouldn't have been confused and again she went back and has given some more context for certain things but some of that needed to come mm-hmm. at the beginning even if we didn't know the whole story up front I agree I think um and I'm still confused actually about if, if there's any true affection between her and Arjun or if he just betrayed her or if he I don't know, because it sounded like she was, like, pushing him away. 
Mm-hmm. And then she came in, and he was like forced to marry her friend. Yeah, because then he, at the like near the end, we learn he's engaged to Nalini, but she's also locked up. I'm like kind of confused. Yep, same here. If, yeah, yeah, I agree. And if she had, if the author had just been a little bit clearer at the beginning, like I, I would be super into this book. But like, it's work having to figure out what's going on, and what's going on is tying so so crucially into the motivations of the characters that it's it's just a little hard for me to care at this point. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Especially, yeah, like you said, the Tournament of Wishes, the reward is getting the thing you want most in the world. And I don't know what and they want. And if we don't know what the thing you want most in the world is, or even if those things are in conflict or what, it is a little bit harder to get on board. That's, that's totally fair. But we do learn that Vikram, his desire is he wants power, but he wants true power, right? He doesn't want to be like a puppet prince. He wants to be able to direct the council and, like, rule his country. Yep. So basically, the the issue is the only people who know he's not a true blood heir are the council and his father and himself. Right. So they're, like, holding that secret over him because if they revealed the secret to the public, the mm-hmm. fear is no one would listen to him anyways. So they're kind of, like, using it as a do what we say or else, right? Is that what's happening? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And he meets Gari because her country, Baharata, wants to enter peace negotiations with Ujijan, but they want him to publicly execute Gari. <laughs> Which is like, I, it's a great setup for meeting someone, I will say. Like, I do love that. Like, my job here is to execute you, and instead we fall in love. Like, I like that. And even before we fall in love, he wants her as his partner in this game which is also kind of an interesting twist and she's like not on board doesn't trust magic like is sort of like whatever as long as you're not killing me like I'll go along with your plan and then I'll kill you later when it's convenient for me (laughs) right she's like I'll kill you and then I'll steal the ruby and do everything on my own like she had very ruthless plans for him right from the beginning yeah so So yeah, so we ultimately are slightly unwilling partners, at least on one side, and also untrusting on both sides, because he does Mm -hmm. give her a blade, but it's this blade that he had designed that like snaps off when you actually put pressure on it or something. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And again, and we get some of these backstories about Vikram is, he's known as the Fox Prince. He's like very clever. He's like good at riddles and like using words and thinking through things. And I I like that part of his character a lot. So it made sense that yes, he's not going to like win against her in a fight about weapons or strength or anything, but he Mm -hmm. can kind of outsmart her a little bit by giving her a fake weapon, knowing that she might try and use it against him. (laughs) Which she did. Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I was super excited about their pairing, their friendship, and then I got confused again, or just like sidetracked, because they are trying to figure out like how to get to the Tournament of Wishes to to compete in this Mm -hmm. tournament, and they they have to go to Alaka, which is the land ruled by the Lord of Treasures, and... So they say that they have to go to a place where memories devour and the held breath place to put an end to cowards or something like that. Yeah, meant nothing to me at the time. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I was just like, uh, I, I just cannot get behind all this abstract language. I think it's just, it's really tripping me up as to what's actually happening. Because they go to the chakra forest and there's some monkeys who are very upset because... In, like, a different life, Vikram stole an apple from them, like, 100 years ago. <laughs> that that part, too, the um, 
what were they called? The Venaras, right? The Venaras, yeah. Um, they, I thought they were, like, such an interesting character, and, like, bringing in that mythology was really cool, but I didn't understand everything about, like, their queen being gone and what she had done, and then, yeah, they had seen him a hundred years before. Was that actually him, or was it one of his previous lives, or is there some weird time travel thing that's gonna come into play later? He's gonna steal the apple in the future, but it'll be in the past, or I don't, like, um, and then even where this fruit came from, because it, they got mad because... They still had the apple, but the apple had been attached to Gory's hand or something. Right. Yeah. And she couldn't shake it off. Like it, like, it claimed her and it won't leave. But if she eats it, they say she'll die, but she really wants to eat it. And they're like taking her to the Kalidas Mountains to like stand trial for like stealing this apple. And at this point, I was just like, it was just, it was like a distraction from what I wanted to do, which was get to the Tournament of Wishes. And I found it just a little unnecessary. Well, we didn't have enough context for how this was helping us get there. Like, ultimately it did because we did go to, like, we left the human realm. We saw the Night Bazaar again. And again, I just love the Night Bazaar. And whenever we're there Mm -hmm. and she talks about the different booths and creatures and, like, what you can trade in or with and all of that. That writing is gorgeous. Like, it's absolutely gorgeous. You're right. Like, I love the, um, when there was, like, heartbeats in a jar and they were like heartbeats collected from like when a child misses a step or like when a bride hears her husband approaching or something like that that was brilliant like that was so 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 well done and what a cool idea right because we are already described that as like your heart skips a beat but yeah what happens to those beats that get skipped (laughs) i love that so creative and we see a little bit more of that. I'm jumping ahead just for just for a split second. Okay. <laughs> we do see a little bit more of those kind of um, clever trades and stuff when we get to Alaka later and are having the opening ceremony or whatever. But yeah, we're, we're not there yet. So we're coming back to the Night Bazaar. Um, yeah, I agree. I struggled with like understanding how this related to everything else that was going on. Yeah. And even, I mean, it was sort of interesting, but even the rules around the fruit, because like you said, she was like being drawn to eat it. She doesn't trust magic. She's also told not to eat it. Part of me was like, I don't know that I bought that her character would go ahead and eat. I know there weren't a lot of options ultimately, and they had talked to the, the Tatala before she did, but it sort of didn't feel oh, yeah. like a natural next step for her character to me that she ultimately did eat it. Mm-hmm. And, like, the Vitala itself, too. Like, that was... I, I did like that. I was looking up a little bit about them. So they're, they're revenants, essentially. And they're, like, defined as, like, fortune-telling, very knowledgeable, paranormal mm-hmm. beings. And they use reanimated corpses as vehicles. So that's why, like, the Vitala had to, like, ride around on Bikram's shoulders. Mm-hmm. And so it can, like, possess and leave dead bodies at will. And I was, like... This is cool. Like, I I was excited about this character, but I do think there are maybe just a little bit too many references to different mythological beings. And I feel like if there had been just, like, a few choice ones, it would have, they would have resonated more deeply with me, I think. Because it felt like we were just going from one to the next to the next to the next. And they were, I think they just deserved time by themselves. Well, and I guess we ultimately hear that 
the tournament kind of started when they got the invitation. But while we're reading it, it also sort of feels like this is all like I feel like the Tournament of Wishes is interesting mm-hmm. enough. And I just want to get there and like figure it out and like live in that world a little bit. And you're right. This is just almost like a distraction. And I, it technically moved like we physically got to where we needed to go through this process, but it didn't feel like it was really necessary for the for the plot. Except I will say there was a moment when they finally, I'm going to jump ahead to you real quick, when they finally get to Alaka and they say something like, okay, well, when is the tournament going to begin? And they, they responded with like, oh, you've already been playing for quite some time. And so I kind of was thinking like maybe like the second they got the ruby, the tournament started and all this leading up to actually get to Alaka was part of it. Yeah, someone did mention that it started when the invitation arrived. I I remember that as well. But I feel like it just wasn't clear in the moment. Or I don't, I don't know. I still Mm -hmm. want it to be like more directly tied. Because once they get there, they don't even reference that part of the journey. Right. (laughs) But maybe, maybe in the second half, like the Vitala will come back. Or they'll like the second challenge will somehow reference it more. Or I don't know, the Venaras will find them again. I don't know. Like maybe it comes back around ultimately. Um, I kind of hope so. Because that would make me happy that it, it does connect. But... Yeah, and while I was reading it, I kept thinking, like, why is this important? You know, like, I mean, it was cool when when she eats the demon fruit, when Gari eats it, and she, like, turns into a beast leopard, and they have to, like, go to the undead grotto, and, like, the Vitala spits in their eyes. Do you remember that part? Like, yeah. they have all these, there's, like, all these illusions before them, and they have, like, one eye to see the illusions and one eye to see through it, and they see the creatures that will devour their memories. But again, I was also, like this scene kind of felt like something I had seen before in so many other YA novels where it's like oh there's going to be illusions yeah. and they're going to call to you and they're going to take the form of your loved ones and they're going to like try and lure you to them and I was just like wow we've seen that like a lot yeah the one thing I did like was that they saw through each other's illusions or something at least for mm-hmm. a moment and again go taking this transition from enemies to lovers which is where hopefully it's going to end up um and seeing them start to be like, oh, there's more to this person than I assumed. Like, I did like that aspect of the scene, but I agree. And like, having to physically cross a graveyard, basically, where these things... I don't... I, I mean, it was fine. I was like, interested in the action what was happening, but I agree. I like, couldn't figure out how this related to the Tournament of Wishes. And even the next part, because then they jump into a hole or a cave or mm-hmm. something and fall through and end up at this... The crossroads. Tent. Yeah. That they can't leave except for there's the spinning, I don't even know what it was. It was a spinning wheel with eight okay. doors in each of the cardinal directions. And there was like a statue of the god, of a god on each cardinal direction, like on each door. So they had to like pick the door where they thought was going to lead them to Alaka. And actually this part, once they got there, that actually did feel like a test to me that was maybe mm-hmm. related to like proving themselves for Alaka. But getting there was a little bit odd. And then at least it seems like... Because they only have, like, a split second between when the wheel lands and, like, everything around them disappears or something. And they ended up leaving the Vitala. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not convinced that he didn't somehow get out himself or do something and we won't see him later. But part of me was, like, if we don't see him again and if he really did die there, then I'm, like, really confused by what his role was. I'm sort of hoping he, like, shows up and is like, oh, I was, I'm, like, one of the judges. Or you have to, like make a choice now about me or I don't know (laughs) yeah because like introducing supernatural creatures from different cultures I think is so it's such a great thing to do in YA literature like I think it's desperately needed and I I love that we get so many books that are doing that these days 
But throwing them in just for the sake of throwing them in, for me, doesn't really work. Like, I think if you're going to include them, like, they do need to push the plot forward. So, again, even with the monkeys, I was just like, where is this going? Like, why, why all of a sudden are we upset about a stolen apple? Like, I feel like we have more important things to do, and this just feels like kind of a weird thing to be sidetracked by. So I do love all the all the pieces and like it's exposing me to so many things I didn't know about previously, which I love, but I do wish that they had been set up as like more thoughtful plot devices rather than just like I'm going to include as many as I can to like fill my novel with them, you know? And if even if they do connect later, that's great. But again, it goes back to we need some of the story up front to help us appreciate yeah. it in the moment. That's that's even assuming that they do come back later, which who knows if that happens or not. Also, I was starting to like him, the Vitala. Yeah, me too. He was kind <laughs> of like some comic relief or, I don't know, just made some yeah. observations that were interesting. And I don't know. I kind of, I almost miss him. I do like that we get um, a little bit more of a backstory through some of these experiences. Like, we get that story of Gari helping the servant girl, quote unquote, helping. Um, oh, Yeah. And then we learn more about Vikram and how his his mother died from, what was it, she like was killed in a rock slide. Yeah, but he like feels partially responsible because she was out there looking for him after he played a joke on her. Yeah, so I like that we are learning more about Gari and Vikram through these trials. And now I kind of get the sense that like Gari is upset with herself because every time she tries to help someone, it seems like she just hurts them instead. And, you know, I love, like, some of the political intrigue games. And I actually, like, Scandi's, like, a much more interesting bad guy to me already than... Nuriti? Yeah. Um, just because I, like, sort of, like, I have, like, a respect for the evil genius, as you know. And not that he's quite that, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. But he is, I mean, like, he's good at manipulating stories and perception to, like, be cruel and get what he wants and, like, keep people in line and I kind of have, like, a weird respect for that. <laughs> well, he's just a more complex character, you know? Like, no yeah. one likes a villain who's just a villain, and we can't understand why they behave a certain way. Like, I, yeah, the fact that, like, Skanda is so manipulative, and, like, that story where he, like, stole the woman's sari and, like, put it in the bedchamber to, like, pretend like she had betrayed her lover. Like, he's so, he's so devious. And you're right, that does make him more interesting. And even when she started speaking up and she was, like, saying, I think it was a village that needed a well. And then he, like, didn't like that she was talking out in that group against what he wanted. And he sent the, like, water snakes or whatever. Like, it's just mm-hmm. interesting to see how he's kind of a, a fox-like guy, too, where we, I think the impression I had from the last book was that he didn't necessarily deserve his title, like, didn't really care about it, like. Like I sort of He seemed kind of stupid. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, he maybe still doesn't like care about things besides himself, but he's actually pretty clever or at least knows how to manipulate certain situations. Knows how to play the political game a little bit. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So they do end up picking the right door. They do. They pick True North. And they end up in Alaka. Is that the end of the first part? I actually forget where the first part ended. I believe so. Because then we get the new character, Asha. Yep. And at this point, I think for me, the appearance of Asha really saved this book for me. Because 
I love the fact that she is a Vishakanya. So we've like heard about these people mm-hmm. before, but we've never really interacted with one. And it feels like a lot of the supernatural beings are just kind of there in the background for setting or effect. Mm-hmm. And now we finally get one who's a main character. And I love that. I agree. And understanding her motivations or her backstory at a different level makes it like because I think what we had heard before was just enough about how they like their touch will kill people and they all have this star on their like we didn't know like we knew some basics and they just seemed like dangerous and bad or whatever and then yeah we're introduced to an actual character and we get more to it sorry go ahead (laughs) no that's that's exactly what I was gonna say like we get we kind of humanize them in a way that makes them relatable and makes you like really invested in them Mm -hmm. um So she was bought slash rescued, unclear, from her real family. And her job is basically to seduce and kill. And, like, anyone who's touched by these women die. Um, And she has to devour desires. That's, like, how she gets her sustenance. Which is a really cool concept. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that's so interesting, and I think it was maybe, maybe it wasn't through her perspective, but around the same time, we also learned that even if you're not a true contestant, basically anyone who is in Alaka is kind of playing this game and could win a wish, right? Yeah. Well, they can play the game. They're they're all like um they're all parts of the game. I think they said only only mortals, like only humans, can either win or lose. But everyone basically is oh, part of the game. Okay. It totally reminds me of Caraval a little bit, where they were like it does. everyone is part of the game, which like I love. Also, complete side note, but you brought up Caraval. <laughs> um there's a new series based in that world that um, Stephanie Garber just announced that she's working on. So I heard that. We'll get to revisit. Yeah. Once Upon a Broken Heart? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited because I really, really liked Caraval. Yeah. It was a cool world. I'm curious to see where she takes it now. And I, again, I mean, even in this, like, I enjoy because I love backstory and, like, I'm always curious about side characters and stuff. Like, I love living in a cool world. Mm-hmm and exploring different stories especially when I feel like satisfied with the main characters but like I don't know it even reminds me of um what's that series crow the crow one six of crows or the raven boy like the Grishaverse. oh yeah six of crows or shadow and bone yeah and how we had like two series very different but set in the same world like I just love the idea Mm -hmm. of like revisiting places that were cool but seeing it from a different place. Anyways, that was complete side note. Back to... Alaka. Tournament of Wishes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we got a better description of some of the supernatural creatures as well. Like, um, we got to meet the Yakshini, and she described them as having, like, glass wings or, like, jeweled peacock tails. And I was like, yes, thank you. Like, that's exactly what I wanted. Like, I didn't... I just wanted a description of some of these creatures so I could visualize them. I was having a tough time visualizing them in the last book. Um, so I was glad we did get that. That's fair. Um, as like kind of a weird side note, the door, do you remember like the door to the palace, how it was lined with tongues? Yeah. That kind of grossed me out. <laughs> it did, but it was also such an interesting visual because what the like legend was that it was covered in rubies and then they get closer and they're like, not rubies, those are tongues. And it yeah. had to do with like secrets that people shared. And I don't know. I, I mean, it was disgusting. I don't really want to picture it, but I also was like, that is kind of an interesting, like, she's so, she's very creative. So creative. Yeah, so they each had to tell a secret to pass through the gates. Um, Vikram's was about his mother, that he's the reason his mother was killed by the 
by the rock side. And I, um, what was what was Gari's again? Um, I mean, it was related to her brother and like being unable to help people. But I forget what story she actually told at that point. Where did this happen? <laughs> I tried to overthrow my brother. If I return, he will unleash a state of terror in Barada and kill my best friend. That is not all. I did my best to play my brother's game, but the choices I made and the silences I kept were just as deadly. Mm. That, that was her secret. Okay. Yeah, so that's where she remembered about, well, I don't know. I think multiple times, but like the story about the servant girl, wasn't there some, like a servant girl who had been, she like got a soldier in trouble for approaching a servant girl and then her brother like took her instead, took that same servant girl to yeah. his chambers instead. Yeah. And then the servant girl like saw Gari in passing and she was like, do me a favor, like don't try and save me again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause she had a guard whipped for trying to assault her. And I, again, I mean, I don't love it because it's just so terrible, but it's such an interesting thing to be like, even if I do the right thing, it could have worse consequences. So Mm -hmm. what do I do given that, you know, like, would it have been better for her to just say nothing and let, I don't know, like, it's just, it's an interesting dilemma to be in, to be like speaking up or like speaking Mm -hmm. for good or, you know, intervening for good can lead to just as bad, if not worse consequences. And like, what does that do to your options really? Totally. And I think maybe that's why she's so conflicted about what to do with Nalini, because I I wish we had more about her relationship with Nalini. I am confused about that. But right now she is like trapped in a cell. And I think... Gari feels Mm -hmm. very guilty about leaving her there. Well, it does seem like if she comes back, Nalini will be killed and she wants to, like, save or protect her friend, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, we don't have a ton of their history, but we got a little bit more, actually. Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, I'm still a little bit confused about what she's locked up for or whatever. (laughs) We finally do get to the palace and um, we meet... The Lord of Treasures, Kubera, and his mm-hmm. consort, Kaveri. And interesting because as soon as we see him again and he has the mongoose around his shoulders, I was like, oh, this is the sage from the beginning who gave Vikram the ruby. So he was yeah. like personally invited by the Lord of Treasures, which was kind of interesting. Here's one thing that bothering me might be the wrong word, but we haven't seen any other official contestants, and I'm so curious, like, who are these other humans who are also playing, or, like, how, like, I wonder if we'll see them eventually, or they did say something about, like, everybody's challenges or whatever are a little bit different because everybody wants different things, or I forget, something along those lines, but part of me is still, like, there have to be other people competing, and I'm curious who they are and what they want. I want to meet other players, and were they also handpicked by... Yeah. The Lord of the Treasures? I don't know. Yeah, is this what everyone's experience is like? Or is this, yeah, I don't know. We do learn that you can't use your wish to grant exit to the other person, so one of them might not be able to leave. But it's also kind of confusing because Kubera admits that he is like making up the rules as he goes. So, like. But we did get the impression before this conversation that they either both won or both lost, that they mm-hmm. were a team. And it does, I mean, you're right, the rules aren't very clear, even maybe not finalized. (laughs) But yeah, now it's like, oh, actually only one of you is supposed to win or could possibly And one of them has to stay. And one of you stays behind. Mm -hmm. And might be turned into a throne or like an object. Oh, that was super interesting. So I researched a little bit about Kibera. Oh, awesome. 
Okay, so it started out because I was researching the Yakshini because I was really um, interested in their description. And so they are a class of nature spirits in um, Hindu and Buddhist religious mythologies. They are different from devas, who are gods, asuras, who are demons, and apsaras, which we learned about last week, which are celestial beings. So Yakshinis and their male counterparts are paranormal beings. The well-behaved and benign ones, they say, are, are worshipped as a guardian, patron, or protector of a place or person. Okay. So uh, in this case, Yakshini attend on Kubera, who is the Hindu god of wealth, and he rules in the mythical kingdom of Alaka, and he is also known as the treasurer of the gods. So he um, is kind of like the overlord of a bunch of semi-divine species, and he's, uh, this is interesting, so he's often depicted uh, with a plump body adorned with jewels, carrying a money pot and a club, and he's often depicted with lotus leaves, and in some cases he has a mongoose with him. So the mongoose is like considered a symbol of his victory over the guardians of the treasures. And he is also described as having four arms, three legs, eight teeth, one eye, and being adorned with jewels. And this is kind of interesting. He is sometimes depicted riding a man, which was interesting because hmm. his throne we saw was yeah. like the shape of a bent over human. So I thought that was kind of interesting. That is really interesting. In um, I did just like a really super fast Google search, but I didn't go into him at all. Is Tournament of Wishes a thing she made up, or is that related to any action? Do you know? Oh, I'm not sure. Okay. I Based on what I what was coming up, and I didn't want to spoil anything for myself either, so I stopped. But most of it was coming up from her book, so I got the sense that that was an aspect that she... Invented. Or at least the name, yeah, mm. is, is her own. Yeah, but the Yakshinis are described as beautiful and voluptuous they have often have like wide hips and breasts and narrow waists they have like exaggerated feminine features to, that link them to uh, fertility and the um, Ashoka tree is closely associated with them so a common element in Indian art is a yakshini with her foot on the trunk of the tree and her hands holding a branch so it's like a common motif so yeah they're like the guardians of the treasure hidden on earth gotcha um i also researched a little bit about vishikana which we we've totally done that in a different book too because we had like a couple instances in the book where was it yeah gari and vikram dress up as vishikana to like participate in the first trial and so i researched a little bit about them too and it was so familiar mm-hmm. um i think we i researched it during three dark crowns because essentially they're they're women who were used as assassins, often against powerful enemies during the times of ancient India. And are these the ones where they're like kiss could kill you or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I vaguely remember those. So like their blood and like bodily fluids were poisonous to other humans, and in in some Hindu mythology texts, they can just kill a person by looking at them. Um, there was like a a time where it was common to select beautiful girls and then give them poison in small amounts until they grew up, which we learned about in Three Dark Crowns with Queen Catherine. So they like fed them small amounts of poison so they were immune to it. Um, Visha means poison and Kanya means maiden. So they're like yep. poison maidens. Um, and then it was believed that making love with one could result in the death of their partner. 
And so that's why they were kind of like employed to kill their enemies. And this just takes it a step further because that's all they can. Yeah. Or they're like now have this mystical level of like, because they're the ones who are eating desire and all of that too, right? Yeah. And I love that. I like that. I mean, it's it's a kind of a cool theme. Interesting. I do remember that now, but I hadn't connected that while I was reading it. And I like that we have one in the book, Asha, who is, like I said, kind of like becoming more relatable to us and we get her perspective, which is pretty cool. I am. I hope we continue to see more of her. She seems Mm -hmm. a little bit, uh, I mean, like she's just come in in the second half, so we just haven't seen as much of her as we have the other main characters, but we are about to meet up with her again. So I'm just, I'm curious to see how she plays into their dynamic. Me too. I think she's going to be a someone who helps them because she seems like she's definitely like on the fringes of the other Vishikana like she's not she's kind of an outsider right because she was like adopted she wants something different yeah yeah Yeah. she didn't choose that life it was chosen for her exactly yeah so I think I'm excited to learn more about her I agree although I'm curious okay high level who do you predict will win the tournament of wishes right now oh gosh well or do you think that all three of them get what they want at the end of the book, Asha, Vikram, and Gori? I do. I do think we will get a happy ending. But I have no idea what's going to happen in between because I'm always wrong when I try to make predictions, especially in this book. <laughs> like, there was... Oh, okay. So, like, the first trial, so, like, in the Tournament of Wishes, there's two trials and one sacrifice, they say. Mm-hmm. The first task was to find one half of the key to immortality, which they defined as creating a story that will outlive you. And I thought in my mind, I was like, okay, well, Gari is going to discover that like Vikram is her half to like her story that will outlive her, like her half, her key to immortality. Hmm. And like Vikram's going to find out that Gari is his half. And so I was convinced that was going to happen. And then that wasn't at all. They like find a ruby key, like a literal key. And I was just like, at this point, I was just like, well, I have no idea what's going to happen next because, like, when I think something's going to be concrete, it ends up being totally abstract. And when I think something's going to be, like, an abstract concept, it is a concrete key. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm lost. <laughs> okay. I have – this is kind of related, but it just made me think of this. Okay. So we know when they showed up, they, like, kissed and were trying to get – convince everyone that they were lovers because that was like the expectation that they showed up mm-hmm. together because they're lovers but then also and part of that was like Kubera like appreciates love or something wasn't that like one of the reasons that someone gave or something about like mm-hmm. but then as soon as we meet Kubera he's like only one of you can win and so I'm just like I'm curious about like how much does he care about love or relate I don't know like <laughs> anyways he seems very fickle and like he'll change his mind at a moment's notice so who knows <laughs> and also so the gates are closing between like this is the last tournament of wishes for a while or forever yeah what's going on with that and that's why I think I don't know I mean I know Kubera just said this is the last tournament of wishes and that's why he's like collecting stories so that like the stories will sustain them when the gates to the other world close. I have like so many questions. Why are the gates <laughs> to the other world closing? I want to know more about that. And we, the the person who, person, I guess, who won last time, the Serpent King, or whoever this guy oh, is. Oh, yeah. And the Nameless, who are they? What yeah. do they want? Why are they here? Yeah. I mean, hopefully the fact that we've mentioned them, and I think, isn't even Asha like said something about them. So when we meet up with her, hopefully we'll get more of their backstory. But I'm like very intrigued by this idea and want to see more about it. 
I think they will be very important too because when Asha is talking to Gari, Gari's like, well, how am I going to escape from this place? Like, even if I lose, I need to get out of here. And Asha was like, you need to bribe Lady Kaveri. You need to like bribe Kavera's consort. And what she wants is she mm-hmm. wants something from the Serpent King. So I think like Gari's definitely going to have some kind yeah. of interaction with him to um, bribe her way out of this place. Okay, the other question I have is, we know we have a month for this whole thing. All we have are two trials and one sacrifice, and we did the first mm-hmm. one in like a single night, which I'm partially happy about, but part of me like doesn't understand the timeline. I'm very curious to see how long it takes to do the second one, or why is it a whole month? Mm-hmm. Why don't we just have a week? Or, you know, like, I'm just kind of curious to see how this plays out. Yeah, and it's hard to make predictions when the rules change constantly, so. Yeah. Well, there are no rules, so. Yeah. so <laughs> We're just along for the ride at this point. Um, did you research anything this week? So I was kind of into the, the Tala. Mm-hmm. Again, I just, like, I'm, I, this could be totally off, but I'm hoping he comes back around in the second half because I just was intrigued <laughs> by him and how Vikram kind of, like, grew attached to him. Um, and so there is this story, or maybe it was even in an interview. I think maybe I read an interview about the second book and some of the myths that Roshani was pulling mm-hmm. into it. And she mentioned something connecting Vikram and the Vitala. So I looked up the story about, so this legendary king, Vikramaditya, who is sometimes called King Vikram, but I think some of the other stuff I read about him was like, I think seven or eight, like, Indian kings over the years have, like, taken on his name as well. And, like, it, there's lots of, like, historic, mm-hmm. like, basically it's, like, this this legend around this, like, great king is King Vikram or Vikram Aditya. Um, but there is this one story. It's called the Betal Pachisi. And it, it's, I guess it's a collection of different tales from India. And it was originally written... 11th century, I think. Hmm. And anyway, so there, so one of the main plots is this king, King Vikram, promises a Vamachari, which is like a tantric sorcerer, that he's going to go and capture a Vitala. <laughs> and in at least this description I read, it kind of compared the Vitala to vampires also, again, because they like inhabit mm-hmm. or animate like dead bodies. So he goes off and... He tries to capture this Vitala, but every time he captures the Vitala, it tells him a story that ends with a riddle. Oh. And if Vikram can't answer the question correctly, the vampire agrees to remain in captivity. Which is interesting, because usually it's like, only if you get the answer right. But this is like, if if he doesn't know the answer. Hmm. And if the king knows the answer, but doesn't say it, his head will burst into a thousand pieces. Oh dear. And if he answers it correctly, the Vitala can escape and return to this tree that he's been hanging out in. So I guess there's like this whole cycle basically of like catching and releasing (laughs) Um, and like these riddles that happen because like Vikram just knows all the answers, which I also love because in our story, Vikram's like clever as well. Um, So I guess 24 times he tells a story and is able to escape. And on the 25th attempt, The Vitala tells a story about a father and a son after some, like, terrible war. They find the queen and the princess 
have survived the war as well and take the queen and the princess home with them. And eventually the son marries the queen and the father marries the princess. What? That's different. And this, yeah. And the son and the queen have a son. Okay. And the father and the princess have a daughter. And then they marry each other. And the question of it's, and then the question that Vitala asks is, what is the relationship between these two children? Oh. Um, and What's the answer? I actually, I should have looked up if there was an answer, but this is the question that ultimately stumps Vikram. So I guess the Vitala is satisfied and allows himself to be taken. And while they're headed back to the tantric sorcerer guy, the Vitala tells his story. So the story about hmm. the Vitala. And his parents didn't have a son, so the sorcerer blessed them with twin sons with a condition that they're both the sons are educated by the sorcerer guy oh. the tantric so vitala was taught everything in the world but treated really poorly and his brother was taught just what was needed and always treated well hmm. and then the vitala learned that the sorcerer was giving his brother back to his parents but vitala would be sacrificed <laughs> because he was an all-knowing kumara oh no and if by sacrificing him, the tantric sorcerer could become like immortal and rule the world with these tantric powers or whatever. Oh. And he also reveals that this is his current plan still. And once Vikram brings him back, he'll sacrifice Vikram because beheading him while he bows to some goddess or something, I don't know, it'll give him control over the Vitala and then he can sacrifice his soul and then basically like evil will reign like this guy will succeed in his evil plan so the vatala suggests to vikram the king to ask the tantric sorcerer guy how to perform this ceremony himself and then take advantage of the moment to behead the sorcerer Whoa. so that's what vikram does and then i guess lord indra and devi kali come down and bless him and the vatala offers the king a prize and uh, vikram requests that the sorcerer's heart and mind are cleaned of all sins and his life is restored as a good living being and the vitala agrees to come to the king's aid when needed so wow kind of a random story (laughs) and you know that's like one summary there's a lot of different versions of it and there's so many more stories about uh king vikram which are kind of cool to learn but i wanted to see just because i was again i feel like vikram grew more attached to the Vitala than uh, Gori did or whatever, you know? And so I was just yeah. kind of curious. So That's kind of cool. There's like a legend about them. Yeah, so we'll see if any of that comes into play in the second half. My hope, but I don't really feel that strongly that it will happen, is that we will see him again, but who knows. Do you have any of the any of the other riddles that he asked? Oh, that's a good question. Let me see if I search. I love riddles. I'm so bad at them, but I love them. I don't have any pulled up. Maybe I'll find some for next. If if he returns, I'll find at least one riddle by next week. That's my goal. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope he returns then. So maybe there'll be a sorcerer at some point. We'll see. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Do we have space for a sorcerer? We only have half a book left. Well, maybe we'll find out. Uh, maybe this... I don't, I, I have nothing. I don't have a lot of good predictions. I but, know. Except that they're going <laughs> to fall in love and... I don't know. I hope we see Maya again, and I hope we see the Vitala again. But I also hope Maya doesn't come and, like, save the day or, like, meet them in death. Or I want to see her, but, like, not have her really be part of the story at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Should we bet on whether or not she'll come back? What are we going to bet? Who gets to pick the next series we read? <laughs> sure. 
So what are you what are you saying? Yes or no? I'm gonna bet that Maya does not come back. Okay, and I'll bet I'll take the other side. So I'll say that she makes an appearance at some point in the second half of the story. Does she have to speak, or does she just have to like appear in some way? She it has to be more than just a memory. So it can't just be uh, Corey okay. telling some story about her. Like she has to show up in the plot of the the current plot, but she doesn't have to speak. That's good. Oh, I'm nervous for these characters. They got to get through a second trial, a sacrifice, and get out alive. And escape, yeah. (laughs) And then they both have problems at home, so hopefully they get a wish or two and figure out a way to solve those. (laughs) Oh, I'm so curious what they're going to wish for. What would you wish for? If I had my heart's desire? Well, another thing that's cool, I like that Gari is, like, very distrustful of magic, and I think it's going to make her a better wish maker because so many times people make wishes without thinking about like what they're saying or what the consequences are and you know wishes are just dangerous and bad I like how every time Vikram starts with like I wish I had dry clothes or food I forget what he said but like she's like don't say it (laughs) we're in a locker be careful using that word (laughs) oh gosh now I'm trying to think what would my wish be um all right my wish my heart's desire wish would be well, this, that's, like, very selfish. Should it be just, like, about us, or should it be, like, about the world? I think it should be about us. I think your heart's desire is supposed to be selfish. Is that fair? No, that makes sense. Um, okay, I wish that at the end of my life, I look back on it and feel happy and satisfied and fulfilled. That's a great wish. I want, can I just copy you? No, you, you need your own heart's desire. <laughs> okay, well, can I just say, I used to always say when people asked what I wanted to be when I grew up, I used to just say happy. Mm. So it kind of fits in with, like, how I want to approach my life. And I, I like how you that. said at the end of my life, because that, like, also, I don't know, that was just a pretty smart wish. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, like, right now I'm just craving lemonade, and so I have, like, <laughs> an endless supply of lemonade in my house. No. Okay, V-Grom. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, want to read for my career somehow or like get paid and just do what I want all the time I don't know oh wait that my dogs have a human lifespan <gasps> that would be my wish if Toby and Ace lived like humans instead of like dog lifespans but you forgot something what did we always learn you should never wish for long life without health true okay okay uh, fix it for me <sighs> <laughs> let me edit your heart's desire <laughs> Oh, man. They live as long as humans do and stay healthy the whole time. Yeah. Okay, just fix it. Just, you know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, I got it. I got it stored up here. I'm I'm good. I can grant it to you. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, man. This is, like, stressful. I, like, think my blood pressure has increased just by trying to think through a proper wish. (sighs) Well, you have to be so specific with wishes. No, you do. You're right. And that's the other thing. Like, even with this tournament of wishes, um, at the very beginning... The invitation says, the winner will get their heart's wish, but know that desire is a poisonous thing. Yeah. So, uh, they're going to, like, wish for something and it's going to go wrong. (laughs) I just know it. Yeah. Well, and that's where I almost feel like this, I mean, who knows how things wrap up, but this could have been maybe two books on its own if, like, the tournament was one thing, but then, like, dealing with their wishes was a second piece Mm. or whatever. But we'll see how it all goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do we have to do? Do, do, do? do you have a joke? We have to think of a fan name for next week. I do have a joke. Let me find my list of jokes that I keep. That's smart. I need to start doing that. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so stupid. I can't wait. Which bear is the most condescending? 
bear, black bear, brown bear, grizzly bear, puma bear, polar bear. I don't know. What is it? You had it, actually. I did? A pan, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, my God. It's so stupid. (laughs) Oh, man. And I said it. I didn't even get it. That's great. I love it. I used to like make jokes about my, I had a really good friend named Amanda. I still, she's still my friend. I don't know why I said I had, but I was more annoying in high school and used to always like incorporate the duh in her name in really annoying ways. Anyways, that's my story. (laughs) And you're still friends with her, you said? Well, she, she left the country. I don't know if it was just to get away from me, but. That's a bad sign. (laughs) Uh, okay, if anyone wants to get in touch with us, you can email us at mnktalkya at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at mnktalkya. And tell us what your heart's desire wish would be and how we messed up and didn't think about the consequences of ours. <laughs> Just kidding. It's such a personal thing to share <laughs> over email. Tell us. <laughs> Don't tell us your name. Just tell us your heart's desire. So we can copy it. <laughs> Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.